the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Last week we had a special guest. His name is Grady Smith. He's the pastor at Shepherd's House of Worship in Des Moines. Grady, welcome back to part two. It's good to be back. <laughs> well, last week you you began the story and shared with us. Uh, originally grew up in a, a family in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, good family, traditional family, and then your your mom passed away at age seventeen, and out of that experience. You uh, you grieved in a way that uh, was pretty self-destructive, and that was through drugs mainly, and uh, ended up um, having a lifestyle of drugs for how many years? Wow, from, I'd say, 79 to um, 92. Yeah. yeah, so about 13, 14 years yeah. of being involved in in uh, crack and marijuana use and all sorts of stuff. Man, I would have snorted dynamite if you put it in front of me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you came out here to the Seattle area and um, and then had a, an encounter with Christ at uh, Teen Challenge. Yes. And uh, the Lord began to deal with you, and um, not only about your drug addiction, but sexual addiction as well, and helped to reveal to you that that, that all went hand in hand. Yes. And uh, so out of that experience where the Lord broke your heart in a good way and brought you to himself, what happened next? Well, you know, I, I began to um, work on the sexual addiction thing. And uh, Job 31.1 is something I began to apply. And I, I recognized that, you know, if I'm going to get victory in this, I need to control what my eyes see. And um, I begin to, when I see a woman, I would look at her from the neck up mm-hmm. intentionally. And I discovered women have beautiful eyes. I never knew that, you know, yeah. <laughs> because of, of the the perversion of addiction, uh, sexual addiction. And so I began to get control of this. And, and it was, <clears throat> it was uh, a major victory in my life. And so at this point, you know, I graduate Teen Challenge and uh, Pastor Joe kind of took me under his wing and discipled me for 18 months right over in um, uh, Holly Park Community Church on Othello and, um, and uh, Martin Luther King over in that area. And, uh, and then, you know, of course, you know, I had this relationship I was in kind of began to dissolve and unravel because this particular person was, was, was okay with me not doing drugs, 
but she was not okay with me giving my life to Christ. <laughs> right, right. And so here I, I was at another crossroad, and and uh, and the Lord began to show me that this is not where He wanted me to be. And and so it was heartbreaking. It was so heartbreaking that I didn't want anything to do with a female. I just even at church I would sit on the front row intentionally because I just I'm there for Jesus, and that's all I wanted. Uh huh. And of course, you know, um, months later. Uh, I get introduced to uh, Lori, and I really wasn't interested, but I was okay with companionship. And so we we went out to see a movie. Speed had just came out. We went to see Speed. We went to a, a play, Heaven's Gate, Hell's Flames, and mm-hmm. and I just I just there was nothing there for me yet. And and uh, but she said when she first saw me, the Lord said that I was going to be her husband. And and maybe two months later, she told me that, and, I, and my response was. Well, he hadn't told me yet. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I I did a lot of things at the church, and uh, I did even catering. I would cater pastor's luncheons, and and I would, uh, you know, set up, cook, serve, clean. I mean, I would be the first one there, the last one to leave. I'd cut the lawn. I'd clean the church. I mean, I was in the choir. I mean, right out of Teen Challenge, I just, just got all the way in. And every day I had something going on at the church, and it was my life. And that's the difference in addiction is, you know, when when my whole life was centered around drugs, God had to give me something that matched that intensity. Hmm. And the church was perfect for me. And um, and so I was there, you know, and um, so when I when I when when she told me that, you know, they had a women's function and I was catering the function. And and so they flew some gal in from California and she was getting ready to speak. And so I had my apron on, I had everything set for lunch, and I was just going to sit on the back wall and just wait till it's time to serve. And so Lori was sitting next to me, and she says, I want you two to come down front. I'm looking around, you know, like, who is she talking to, you know? And this is two weeks after she told me the Lord said I was going to be her husband, and I said he hadn't told me yeah. yet. And this woman says that, she said, I, uh, the Lord told me that, your marriage is ordained of God, and I see you preaching to thousands. And everybody was clapping and cheering, and I'm looking like, wow. Two weeks later, it happened again with another total stranger. And so finally, I just said, okay. I went to the pastor and said, hey, I believe the Lord's telling me that this is supposed to be my wife. And so uh, we started premarital counseling. We went through, um, first we went through relationship counseling. And then he gave us about six months, and then we started premarital counseling, which was the best thing I could have done. It laid the foundation for everything that we're standing on today. Well, because you, you had gone through a lot. Yes. And I mean, to 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 navigate into a right relationship, you know, after going through what you'd gone through, that's that wasn't easy. I'm sure it wasn't because no, it it's wasn't. a whole different mindset. Your mind's got to be in a different place. Even though Jesus had cleansed your heart, yet there was a, a transformation of your mind that's a process, isn't it? Yes. Of learning how to take those steps to be a godly, a godly man. Yes. I told the pastor, I said, man, I can write books on doing it wrong, but I've never done it right. Huh. And so we learned how to have a relationship to honor God, and it was, it was incredible. That's why I love counseling today. Uh-huh. You know, so... So, you know, we we get married and um, and he explained to her that God had a call on my life and he began to explain what that meant to her, that she needed to consider that mm-hmm. in a relationship because there's there's some dynamics that come with that. And uh, I actually candidated for a pastor position in 2004 out of Omaha, Nebraska. So we were part of Christian and Missionary Alliance and they mm-hmm. were starting a new 
uh, ministry in Omaha, and they wanted an African-American pastor. So so it came down to another guy and I, but because of my drug history, um, and I was seven years or so clean at this time, they went with the other family, and yeah. uh, you know, and I, I, I did what I could to explain to them that you really want somebody to have that experience, yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of dynamics that go with a drug infested community, yeah. And I explained to them, I said, they live in Omaha, we're in Seattle, we're in a seaport town. You think we don't have drugs here, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, this one gal, she just, she just didn't want anything to do with it, and so you know, it was, it was an opportunity, and and I kind of just left it alone. And and my wife, she kept pursuing me to pursue this pastor thing and all my friends are pastors and I've canceled pastors and I was like no nah, the Lord's gonna have to give me an audible at this point yeah you know, that's not yeah. something I want to do you know and I'm okay with just serving in the church you know and preaching occasionally I was okay with that yeah yeah but apparently God had another plan for me and um and in uh, 2007 uh my oldest son Grady was killed back in Cleveland he got uh shot and killed and um it looked like gang initiation stuff. Seven people in a small community got killed that day. But the good news was that we were just there visiting him. We were going back every other year. And uh, I just did his wedding two years prior, so he, he was coming up on his second year wedding anniversary. Uh, his wife was pregnant with their first child, and they got pre-approved for their first, first home, and he was just on top of the world. And three years Prior to that, so 2004, he called me. He says, Dad, guess what? I said, what, Grady? He says, man, I, I gave my life to Christ. Wow. And I moved out of my girlfriend's house, and I proposed to her, will you do our wedding? Uh, I mean, what what better news could a dad get from yeah. his son? I mean, yeah. it was just incredible. And so that that wedding was just a pinnacle of of, of God's goodness for me. It's just, you know, especially with, you know, my, my ex-wife's family, and my family, you know, who all known all this tragedy I had been through with drugs to to be officiating my son's wedding. I mean, it was just incredible. And um, so, you know, it was just devastating. But, you know, um, I forgave the person who did it. They never caught them. But I, I did that for myself. But my ex-wife was just bitter and angry. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was tough talking to her forever because she just, you know, the words come out of her mouth were just. Yeah. You know, they were they were not godly at all. And uh, yeah. I mean, to the point, she was so aggressive about this that the police wouldn't even give me any information because she she threatened to kill the person if she if she find them. Wow. You know, and she was on the hunt. Hmm. And I was like, man, I live in Seattle. You know, I, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get information. And they cut me off as well. Yeah. Um, but but he was he was thoroughly honored. Cleveland just loved him. He was just I mean, he was a semi pro football player. And I mean, he was just an incredible guy. Yeah. You yeah. know, and um, and so uh, six months later, I flew back to Cleveland to meet my grandson, Grady, the third. Wow. Uh, he's he's, he's uh, nine. He'll be 10 in, uh, next month. And, yeah. Um, Amazing kid, you know, yeah. amazing. And so, you know, we, 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 it was tough for us. That was, that was really tough. I mean, the grief process took a toll on our marriage. And we survived because of the foundation we had laid through premarital counseling and through the church and our relationships that we built along the way. So we survived that, but it was, it was tumultuous. It really was. And well, Grady, as, I, as I'm hearing your story, I'm hearing that grief is a, is a big part of your story. Yes. Cuz you've got another story to tell about yes. another another loved one that passed away. Yes. Not too long ago. Tell me about that. 
Well, that was Jeremiah. He was 17 and um, he would be 18 in three months. And, you know, he was getting ready to graduate high school. He was excited about life. You know, he, he, he had dreads and, you know, he had, he had just cut his hair that Sunday, you know, and uh, he says, Mom, Mom, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to, to be a man. I'm ready to get a job. And, you know, and, and I've been uh, grooming him to get his own place to move out. And so, right. you know, he wanted to get his own place. You know, he wasn't going to be the guy to stay at home. And I mean, I've never seen him so full of life. And uh, but April 19th, uh, 2016, him and five friends decided to go swimming in the Green River. You know, he hit 90 that day. It yeah, was, April it was, 19th. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, uh, water's still very cold, though. Yes. And so um, Lori and I were both off, so we had went to the gym, and we went and had lunch, and we were spending the day together. But that morning, we all prayed uh, at the dinner table. Um, we prayed every morning, every night, and, and I always asked the Lord to bring us all home safely, you know, because I recognize at any given time, any one of us may not come home. And for years I've prayed this, and, and they know why I prayed. And at night we thank him for bringing us home. But that day, uh, around 7 o'clock, we got a call, and um, it was Jeremiah's best friend. He says, Miss Smith, uh, what's going on? I called Jeremiah's phone, and some man answered his phone. So she kept calling. Nobody was answering. And finally the police called and asked, do you know what's going on with your son? And she said, no, well, we've been looking in the river. I thought the man said an hour. She said he said four hours. We we had to look through the police report to find out which is which, but um, but we didn't know what, where in the river they were, and so we just hopped in a car and and uh, we were supposed to call the sheriff back to get more directions while we were on our way, but he wasn't answering the phone. And I got about three blocks away, and I realized I didn't have my wallet, so I turned around to go back home and get my wallet. And as I was going up the stairs to get it. I says, Lord, I know you won't put more us than we can bear, but you're pushing the envelope yeah. right now. Oh my! And uh, and I got in the car, and I mean, I was on Auburn Black Diamond Road doing almost ninety, and that road is just that's a dangerous road to be. I mean, I was just, and she was looking at me like, slow down. while yeah. she was on the phone trying to go to the sheriff, and then I finally on the GPS, I noticed that we were going away from the river. You know, and so I made a U-turn on that road. It was traffic coming. It's a one-lane road both ways, you know, and, um, and so finally I just got in the area and asked the guy, Hey, where, where do you go to the river? And the guy says, it's right over there. You just got to go around this street here. And we went over there. His friends was on this side, just doubled over crying. And, you know, and we just, we just walked by them. You know, we, we went straight down to the river and all the divers were coming out of the water. It was just, it was surreal. It was just unbelievable. And, um, they just said, it's not even a recovery at this point. I mean, a rescue is a recovery at this point. And, and we were out there for a couple of hours. The news people were out there. And um, it was, and then we went home that night and, and we just still had hope, you know, that right. maybe he got out somewhere and they just, you know. And, right. And we were back down at 8 o'clock in the morning. They found him about 11. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember my wife walking the bank just calling his name out, you know. Uh. And uh, I remember when they pulled him out of the river and we sat with him for about two hours on the bank and, and she was asking me, can they do CPR, you know, uh, and uh, it was it was tough. Uh, but he had just had his hair cut. I mean, I mean, he just he looked like he was just sleeping. Mm. I mean, he looked perfect. I mean, I mean, it was just incredible. And we just sat there with him and um, just a lot of things happened, you know, and we just we just 
was just trying to get our mind around all of this, and we just began to just look to the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 was our verse that we, we got through Grady's death, and we, we stood on that verse, and uh, the Lord promised to give us perfect peace if we would just keep our eyes on him because we trust in him. And that's, that's how we got through, and we just got through together, calling on the name of the Lord. And because we know that our son knew Christ, we knew where he was. Mm-hmm. And folks would say, I'm sorry for your loss. But the first thing went through my mind was, you know, he's not lost. You know, when, mm-hmm. when, when you mention loss, it's, that means you can't find something. Well, we, we know exactly where he's at. And, and so um, most of our references today is referencing him with Christ. And, and um, you know, we, we're just thankful. Well, it's because you have hope. Yes. I mean, you know, if if you didn't know Jesus and you and you knew that Jeremiah didn't know Jesus, oh. where would your hope be? How how would you navigate through that? Well, you know, we were just talking the other day. Even though we have Jesus, if Jeremiah didn't, it would be a whole different scenario. Uh-huh. Um I mean, if we didn't have it's, it's hard to 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 have hope when you don't know, you know, but we I can't imagine I couldn't even wrap my mind around how someone could get through this um, without Jesus. And and the Lord dropped four families in our lot one month after Jeremiah's death who just lost a child. So we've been ministering to people who lost a child for uh, a year and a half or more now. Mm-hmm. You know, and Well, now he's given you... Insight, uh, he's given you compassion yeah. that you would, you know, that the people know that you've been through it, too. Yes. And there is hope on the other side. There is hope. And and there's even reason to rejoice, you know. Um, you know, we know God is incapable of making mistakes. And, 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 and just to back up, Lori wasn't supposed to have children. She had a condition called adenomyosis, and she would hemorrhage every month. Mm. And and the doctors kept offering her a hysterectomy. You know, that's all they were offer her. And so we, we went to all kind of doctors, naturopathic doctors, specialists here, specialists there. And that every one of them, at the end of all of their uh, investigation, came to the same conclusion. She needed a hysterectomy. And one of the doctors said if you could somehow get pregnant, it would kind of cure itself. And, but, you know, we weren't married at the time. And mm-hmm. he kept saying, you got to start now. Cause, but, Doc, we can't start now. You right. know? And he just never grasped what we were saying. But but we knew. And and every month she wanted a hysterectomy in the middle of it. She would hemorrhage for eight days a, uh, per per uh, month. Uh-huh. And she would want a hysterectomy. Then I says, Lori, we, we can't make that decision under duress like this. So we decided, uh, we, let's just start praying. You know, let's let's start praying before it happens. And so September that year, we start praying and we were praying. Ninety seven, we were praying and we were praying and we were praying and we prayed until, you know, after you pray so much, our prayer was just praise. Yeah. And two months had passed and we didn't even realize that she hadn't had a cycle. And um, and so, you know, we did a home pregnancy test. Sure enough, she was pregnant. We were just excited. And then uh, two months in the, into her pregnancy, she started hemorrhaging real bad at, at work. And, and everybody said she lost a child. And, and I would just hold her hand and said, if God did it once, he can do it again. Yeah. If God did it once, he can do it again. I, I just repeated that every time somebody would examine her and give her that, that terrible news. Well, the ultrasound was ordered. And during the ultrasound, there was a heartbeat, and I just began to just jump up and praise God in the middle of, of the ultrasound when I saw that heart. It was a miracle. Yeah. And so we recognized that God 
could have taken Jeremiah then, but he allowed it. Would we rather have him take him as an embryo or at the age of 17? And we would, we would not trade what we have for sure, anything. Sure. And, you know, we had a lot of vacations. We took tons of pictures. We have a digital frame with about 10,000 pictures on it. And every day we see different pictures of him. Oh. And we laugh and we smile and, and we cry, you know, depending on the day and the picture or the, what time of day it is. But uh, we, we have so many memories that we wouldn't trade for anything. And we're grateful that God gave us those 17 plus years with him. Yeah. You know, because we didn't have to have that. And so, yeah. Well, well Grady, I've got to believe that there are people listening today that have heard your story that are going through grief yes and it could have been as you shared in your story the first uh the first part of your story last week when we were talking it could have been something that had happened 14 years ago and they're still dealing with grief kind of like what happened with your mom Mm -hmm. you didn't really deal with your grief for was what was it 14 14 14 years years. Mm -hmm. But there comes a point where the Lord wants to help you deal with that pain, isn't there? Yes. A- and just share a few words of, of, of hope for those that are going through grief. Well, grief is, is painful, and it's unpredictable, you know, and you just don't know. And, and people are always searching for ways to deal with it on the conscious level or even the subconscious level. And for me, it was on the subconscious level because consciously I I didn't want to deal with it. I wanted to avoid it. I wanted to feel anything but that grief, anything but that pain. And that's where drugs came in, not just the drugs, but the lifestyle, all the foolishness, all the craziness, the willingness to go in and fight people for dope. I mean, all of that was part of acting out from grief. But the truth is when, when I embrace Christ, he gave me something that was more powerful than grief. Mm. And that was hope. It was his peace. It was his compassion. And so the answer to grief is to embrace Christ. And even now, Lori and I, we recognize grief from a different perspective. When grief comes in, we feel it, we acknowledge it, and then we move past it. We don't get stuck with it. We don't get bogged down with it. We acknowledge that we feel this. We acknowledge what we're feeling. We acknowledge that it's real. And then we move past it. And we're only able to do that through the word of God and through the spirit of God. And so um, we surround ourselves with spirit-filled people. So we're always encouraged. We encourage one another. And we do have one another. And when Lori goes through her moments, sometimes I would just hold her. Sometimes I would just put a hand on her. Sometimes I won't say anything at all. And sometimes I would just point her direction back to Jesus. Sometimes I would just encourage her that, you know, if Jeremiah had the chance to come back, he would say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, He knows more about Jesus than we could ever know in this life. Yeah. And, and I would just encourage her in that. And so um, having one another is key and having one another with hope in Christ is the key to this. And that's how we get through it every day. And, and every day I remind her we're one day closer. We're one day closer. Mm-hmm. We're one day closer. And so um, it's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that, that brings the hope and the peace. Just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we can't, we can't have grief, does it? I mean, we, that is the, to, to not grieve is, is unnatural. Yes. I mean, there is that grief that takes place. It's, it's where we 
where we're able to put that grief and place that on Christ, that where we're able to find the strength yeah. instead of finding it in some other in some other way. Yeah. Well, the truth is, everybody experiences grief. You lose a job, or you have a relationship go bad. Your car gets hit on the road. I mean, there, there's different levels of grief. We we grieve all the time. You know, it's part of our life. But when you lose a child or you lose someone like a parent, you know, or a spouse, those are some significant things, especially when you've built a life. There's so many things connected to that, you know. You can get over a car eventually. Um, And I've heard people say, well, just get over it, you know, when they lost a loved one. That's somebody who doesn't understand. You never get over it. Mm -hmm. You just learn different ways to cope with it and accept it and to move past it. Some people don't. We know people who've been grieving for 10 years and they're still stuck back when it first happened. They have never moved past that point. But through the word of God, we're helping them to begin to see things differently and realize the damage that they're doing to themselves and other people that care about them. You know. Well, Grady Smith, I, I appreciate you sharing with me today on Heart of the City. And uh, if you want to connect with Grady... Feel free to go to shepherdshouseofworship.org and ask for Pastor Grady Smith. And um, Grady, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thank you. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.